Welcome back, everybody, to the Apostolic Journal. We uh, we wanted to take a, a minute here and thank everybody from our last episode. The Lord really moved in those episodes with Brother Robinette, and uh, we just had an awesome time. But we got a lot of comments, and uh, but Amanda's back in the captain's seat over there. She can. Uh, uh, she was pretty quiet on that last one. We we were surprised. She usually has a lot to say but the lord was flowing in it he the was, lord was moving. he was yeah you could feel the presence of the lord in here during those recordings and um we were blessed and we received a lot of feedback from people that they were blessed and and that's what this podcast is about it's about sitting down opening up our life journal so to speak and having an open discussion about uh, things that we've tucked back in ministry and life and sharing that with other people. And so we were absolutely blessed during those episodes with Brother Robinette, and we've heard really great feedback from others. That, that is true. Before I read these, I want to read a few comments. But before I read that, hit the like button, go like us, go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and go subscribe and like us on YouTube. It helps us out a lot. You know the, you know the lingo there. It helps the algorithm, and uh, puts our uh, our episodes out there. So we want to do that. If you would help us out with that. But some of the um, some of the comments. Uh, I enjoy these. We and we enjoy responding back to them. Austin Graham said, "Awesome episode." As a youth pastor, this is what we are looking for in our student group. And that Austin had said that, but that's one thing that we talked about is the youth and setting the bar high. Um, but Gabriel said, amazing conversation. Really enjoy the ministry of Brother Robinette. We love the Robinettes. He's always been a mentor in my life. Uh, Nevaeh Rogers, the vision of the kingdom is sacrifice, quoting him. And my pastor's wife sent us youth sent us youth leaders this video. So glad she did. New subscriber here. Thank you, Nevaeh. And uh, thank you for, for your uh, leadership there, your pastor's wife that sent it to you all to watch that. Thank you for that. And then also Nathaniel Mueller. Wow, wow, wow. Great family of God, wonderful podcast, blessed by his ministry, and his book has truly blessed me. I've had the privilege to meet Brother Robinette, and he truly was humble and uplifting. He made anyone around him feel like they mattered in the kingdom of God. God bless, got great podcast, subscriber. Thank you, Nathaniel. But uh, he did. He ministered um, to us. He spoke. You could just feel the Holy Ghost when he was here. Um, but God really moved in those episodes that we had. Absolutely. Just, and again, such a great atmosphere of of God's spirit and um, his presence was in this in this room. And we were thankful for that time. We are happy, though, to be back together mm-hmm. in this podcast and to bring something fresh to our listeners and uh, just share a little bit about God and time. Mm-hmm. We wanted to talk about God and time. Um, you know, when I think about God and time, I think about 
that uh, scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one. And it says, it says to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then for the next few verses, it gives different, uh, it says a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up and so on and so forth. And letting you know, there's a time for everything and a, a purpose for everything, a season for everything. Mm-hmm. And that, that is something key for people to understand because, uh, you know, I have preached about this before is being stuck in seasons. And the reason we get stuck in seasons, and I like to compare it a lot of time, is, is a season when um, somebody gets the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, they become a new convert and they're making uh, the steps of your, you know, faithfulness to church they're making a step to make coming out of some things in the world and they get established as a christian and then a lot of times it, they stop right there it's like you become at this stage a professional christian almost i would i would say where you start to become i come to church i pay my tithes and i'm faithful to the house of the lord and i do these certain things and then it, it kind of just stops there as a good saint. And in a season, you're not supposed to stay right there. You're supposed to step into some kind of ministry, some kind of ministry in the church where you're, where you're going to the next level, not staying as a new convert. Right. You know, and, and God is all about more. Mm-hmm. He said, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, right? Mm -hmm. And that they would have it more abundantly. And you've heard me talk about this a lot, but, you know, I feel like a lot of people's hang up is that they, they seek God until they get the life Mm -hmm. aspect. um, And then they stop short. Mm -hmm. When he says, I've come that you could have life and that you would have it more abundantly. And so why would we settle for less when he says you can have more? Right. Don't just stop at life, Mm -hmm. but have it more abundantly. You can walk in a place of abundance. Right. Don't stop at X 238. Right. Or even taking it all the way back to the Exodus. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just... Don't just stop short at the deliverance of coming out of Egypt. There's a place of abundance for you. Mm-hmm. There's a land that I've promised you. Yep. You know? Because the first thing they needed to do was get Egypt out of their heart. When they come out of Egypt, now they needed Egypt out of their heart. You can see that happening, that they were talking about the flesh pot, pots. And you brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to starve to death. And they were, they, but they forgot about the bondage they lived in and they needed to still take steps to live abundantly. Yeah. Because isn't that just like the devil that will go, remind you of some fun times you had back in Egypt. Oh, but remember the good time, but they, for you, he don't remind you of the bondage that you lived in during that. Yeah. He don't remind you of the sleepless nights, the staying up at night, depression, the bad dis- decisions that you made that you regret. He don't mind you of that. He goes, remember that fun time you had? Remember that? Yeah. 
You know, I think that when you get stuck in just the life dimension and you're not walking in the more dimension of God, I think that when you're just there and, uh, and let me just break it down like this, say that I've, I'm a new convert. I've just been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've, I was baptized in Jesus name and, and I, I have found it to be a great accomplishment. Say, say I've been in the church now for, for 10 years and, and I've really learned how to be faithful to church and I've learned how to, uh, even pay my tithes and, and I'm really faithful to church. I'm faithful to the building. And, and I get very comfortable with just being faithful and I don't explore mm -hmm. uh, that level of abundance. And I believe that there is a more dimension that God has for every person. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that anybody is ever called to just stop where, uh, where they are at. Um, thank God for faithful people in the mm -hmm. church really thank god for that right but even for the most faithful saint there is so much more that god has for that person right uh, absolutely mm -hmm. you know and I, I think the danger of it is when you just settle for the life dimension and you're not going for the more dimension in god mm -hmm. i think the danger in that is you start looking back at at what you used to have in the world mm -hmm your eyes start looking back at that Egypt and maybe, you know, you're not going to go back to Egypt, but, but your mind is thinking on those things. Um, you know, just, uh, something that just came to me, that scripture, I wish I could remember where it's at now. Um, but it says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, that's a daily exercise of the mind for any person, any Christian, wherever they're at in their walk with God. But the same goes for somebody who's just stuck in the life dimension. Their affections start to be uh, looking toward the things of the earth. Mm -hmm. And when you are seeking God for that more dimension. I, Lord, I'm not satisfied for just life. I, I want to walk in abundance. Mm -hmm. I want it more abundantly. Um, I think that that's when you say, you know what? I'm going to set my affections on things above. Right. Uh, I'm going to do, I'll do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes work. Well, that's, that's why um, you will find a group of Christians in, in almost every church that you will go to, they are unfulfilled. They live an unfulfilled life because they got stuck in that season of, um, of not going further, but not stepping into one of their gifting of the fivefold ministry, uh, whatever their calling is. They took the time to get some things right in their life, because that is coming out of Egypt, getting some things right, getting some new habits, uh, surrounding yourself with people of like-minded faith, um, and you, you're stepping out of Egypt, you're establishing some important things, but that's foundation. That's your foundation you're building. Now you've laid your foundation, you've got to build upon that. 
So what, what you'll find a lot of times is you'll have Christians who sit on a pew, who live unfulfilled lives because of that. They found themselves, I'm saved now, I've gotten the Holy Ghost, but they never go, go into abundance. They never go into the overflow of the Holy Ghost. Right. Just living working it. Yeah. Right. Living in the overflow. Yes. They don't they don't find themselves to that next level. Um and that is a, a crucial thing that um you'll find people that that will the reason I can even speak to this is because I've done this. I've had this in my life where I would come to church, I knew the things I'm supposed to do. But I never went any further. I knew I, would, I needed to go to church. I knew I needed to pay tithe. I knew how to almost, almost I, I hate to put it this way, fit in. I knew the steps to take to fit in. But I would find myself wavering back and forth because I never stepped into the abundance. And the abundance is finding where my gifting is, finding what my ministry is, what my next step is in God, not just my typical Christian, I do this, I pay my tithes, but I stepped into my calling. When you're completely sold out, when you, you know, you're doing your best and you're sold out, you have a fulfilled life. It's fulfilling. Right. You're no longer going, is there more? Is this it? And that's where you find yourself when right. you're just sitting, doing the norm. I'm I'm comfortable doing this. I'm comfortable with my Sunday. I'm comfortable with my Wednesday. And that's it. Right. And then you you find yourself unfulfilled, and you'll have saints that are depressed, sad, and wondering if there's more sitting in the pews right. where there's a a buffet of the Holy Ghost, right. buffet of the ministry, at an altar. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you, I believe that everyone is called to live in the abundance of God. Yes. I believe that. The, oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember when we first had Charlotte, she was a baby, and I had been doing various things in ministry at that point, um, even having uh, some opportunities come up to... Uh, to preach and teach here and there. And, um, and so that was wonderful. I was able to, you know, exercise my gifting in, in music at that time. And it was great. And yet it was sometime after we had Charlotte that I, I was sitting in our playroom and I was rocking her and I just began to feel very discontent. I was not content. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought, you know, there's got to be more. You know, I kept wanting more. And, you know, <clears throat> by all intents and purposes, I was doing, I mean, anything that anyone would ever think would be, you know, the pinnacle of ministry. Being used in the church, uh, I was one of those, I was faithful to church, you know, it, it, it was my life. And yet I was sitting there rocking our baby. She was about four months old. And I said, Lord, there's more. 
And so I just decided that, you know what, I'm going to start teaching Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that stumped me up was how, mm-hmm. you know, we always get the idea like, oh, this is what I want to do. And then we stop because we don't know how we immediately start putting limitations on ourselves. Um, but I remember sometimes shortly after that, um, committing to it, that I was going to start teaching Bible studies. I would, you know what, I would walk throughout our church at that time. And I would find people that, that just were hungry for growth in God. And I'd say, Hey, do you want to meet me for a Bible study? Mm-hmm. And, uh, just right there on the pews. And they'd say, Yes. And I'm telling you, there were about five ladies that I worked with over the last, at that time, two years. I worked for them uh, with them for about two years. And uh, there was so much growth in them. And there was so much growth in me. All because at that time, I just said, Lord, there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make... I want to make a bigger impact in the kingdom. How can I do that? Mm-hmm. Okay, teach Bible studies. I'm going to teach Bible studies. Um, I'm going to start with the ones on the pews that are hungry for growth, mm-hmm. you know, under the uh, under under our pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave us the green light. And so I started teaching Bible studies, and we would meet every Thursday. And, uh, you know, there was absolute growth in that. And you know, just going for more mm-hmm. and not being, not settling for any less mm-hmm. when God has more for you. Yeah. The one thing about, you know, that, that was a step that you took and you, you know, look, thinking out how could this happen? How can I do this? And I, I think that is um, the wall that a lot of people run into is they go, okay, um, I want to start mm-hmm. teaching Bible studies. Well, who do I teach it to? Or I don't even know that much. And uh, you, you, people run into that as their wall that kind of stops them. Well, okay, so they give up. I don't know what to do. But one of the most important things is just building a relationship with them because when you do that and they find relationship with them, with them, friendship, something deeper happens and you can teach and you don't have to be an expert at it. Just buy yourself a lesson, grab the book, read some and talk about it. Talk a little bit about it. Let them ask questions about it. But the most important thing is to build a friendship. I'm a salesman. I It's what I do for a living. And, and for years, I never pictured myself as a salesman because I I'm, I used to be, I don't know, the Lord healed me of this, but I used to be an introvert. And it it I was like, there's no way I could be a, a salesman. There's no way. Well, there's a long story behind that where the Lord uh, touched me, um, healed me of some things. But what I learned then as a salesman, when I go to sell something, I was just telling somebody the other, the other day, I don't even feel like I'm selling anything. I feel like I'm making a friend. I become, I don't become, so, you know, right now as a preacher, I don't, I'm no longer just the preacher, but I'm Chris Lepper. There's somebody that cares about them, that's reaching out to them. If I'm selling something and they're, you know, they're now, it's no longer just Chris who sells fire alarm stuff. 
it's or just the guy who sells fire alarm stuff it's now chris leper it's now there you build that bond that friendship that they let they know that you care they know that that you want to get to know them and then there's something that sparks from there and that is to me one of the most key things you could do because we think of it well i got to be an expert of the word yeah we should study the word but if you're not the key thing the if you go over the word with them the word's going to do its job you ain't got to worry about the word doing its job it's going to do its job you just got to worry about building that relationship building that trust I know that, and, and what happens is as you're studying this and you're learning these things, you begin to get revelation of things and you'll find yourself teaching stuff that has been planted in you years ago that you didn't even realize begin to come out and yeah. minister and you begin to minister to people. And you thought you'll look back and go, wow, I didn't realize I could do this. I didn't realize, but it takes stepping out in faith and doing that and that's living in the abundance then you start feeling that purpose come out i remember when i first started teaching bible studies mm. that that was the the channel of ministry if if you will that developed my calling it developed my purpose yes before i had um I had speaking opportunities and um, the Lord had made a way for all of that. And so it was, it was really, it was evident to me early in life that the Lord had a purpose for me, but I just didn't quite know what it was. I had a burning desire. And in fact, when I was just backtracking big time here, but when I was seven years old, I was in a bad car accident. And uh, in that car accident, I had a traumatic brain injury and, um, and a lot of other injuries that went into that, a, a uh, fractured eye and um, a broken jaw and a broken wrist. But really the life-threatening injuries was, uh, happened uh, through that traumatic brain injury. And um, so really long story short, I shouldn't be here right. on paper. And um, it, it is an absolute miracle that, that there are no um, lingering effects from that. Uh, but I knew early in life that, that God had a purpose for me. And, um, you know, so fast forward, it, I started teaching these Bible studies and, um, and it was through that, through Bible studies for me that drew out my purpose. Mm -hmm. But I found that, that the calling, it takes time to develop. Mm -hmm. So God does something in your life. Like he spared me from that car accident. Mm -hmm. I understood that I had a purpose, but that purpose, it took time to develop mm -hmm. and something like, you know, sitting in a playroom with our daughter and praying, God, there's got to be more and stepping out and doing Bible studies. That's what drew out my purpose. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I realized what it was. And those seasons you go through um, are 
preparing you. David was out in the pasture, and he was alone. He was with sheep. It was a tough job. It was probably didn't smell that good. But during that time, he didn't sit down on God. He was right. developing some things. And those things that you've gone through in life, those seasons you've gone through in life, if you establish some things in God during those moments, you'll learn that they come up later to minister to others. There was a, a long season I went through from about my 20s, um, about 20, so I say 27, 28, I lived in a, um, a deep depression. I dealt with, and if, if you've never had depression, it's hard to understand. There's a, um, there's a deepness there that, um, of depression where it was, it's hard to get up in the morning. Um, when you think about getting up for work, it just, you feel a heaviness, um, sadness. You can't, can't get close to people. It's hard to relate to people. Um, some of mine stems from my, I grew up with a learning disability. Um, I, I just didn't learn like the other kids. I, I struggled in school. I was in uh, special ed classes. Um, and, you know, growing up with that, and there were some other things that happened that, that kind of, um, were put into my head that, um, I wasn't like everybody else. And I struggled, um, through that. And then, you know, I ended up, I got kicked out of school about, I'd say about 16 years old. Um, I remember the principal told me, he rendered me unteachable. He said, it's just, you're, you, I, you have a bad attitude. You're not doing well in school. And he said, and if you don't straighten up, we're going to have to get rid of you. And I, I remember I, I had a bad attitude because that's what I leaned on to act strong. Um, I said, do what you got to do. Surprised he didn't reach up, and smack me right then, but looking back, but I had to, I, I, he said, you're gone. I've ended up getting a job. You know, I, I just wasn't like, I remember I filled out an application once guy, I, I gave him the application and he told me, um, turned it in. He said, this is the worst application I've ever seen. He said, I'll hire you. But the only reason I'm hiring you is because you're your dad. And I'm telling him, no, I'm, you know, no, thanks. I, I don't want to be hired because of that, but I couldn't hold down a job through my twenties. Um, there was just a heaviness on me. And those people that have struggled with depression will understand what I'm talking about. And, uh, so I remember I was up and down in church, but this was a this was a long season, but it was a season of my life. I'd come to church. I'd been around it most of my life. I knew how to act. I knew what to do. Um, I knew the, you know what I what I took as as rules, the complete wrong way to look at it. And uh, I knew how to follow certain things, but I would get in do those things and then fall apart and i'd repeat and repeat and i'm sure people began to think this guy's you know every time they probably saw me well that's chris i was 
one of those guys where you look at him and go, well, he'll be back out again. You know, you know him. But that was because there was something else I was hiding. I had a deep depression. I didn't know how to relate. I, when people would get close, I would push them back. I, friendships, I would push back um, because I didn't want, I, I had a barrier there because I didn't, because of my thoughts of myself and the depression I had, I wanted a barrier there to keep people back because I didn't want the, them to know how dumb I thought I was. That's the thought process, the incorrect thought process. So I had to learn. I learned these behaviors to hold people back, to not let them close. And I, you know, I lived a, a, a loner life, but I acted tough. I wasn't tough at all. I was a miserable person. There was times I, um, there was a time I remember I, I was so done with it. I got down on my knees and I prayed, Lord, if this is it, take me now. I'm done. I, this is, if this is all there is. And thankfully God had a different plan. And I remember to get away from it all. I mean, this is how, I mean, this, this is how bipolar people act. And I, I knew I de dealt with depression, but I don't remember if it was bipolar or whatever, um, is di diagnosed with depression, but I had a job and I remember somebody called me up and said, Hey, you want to do fire alarms? I was like, yeah. He's like, move the Las Vegas. I was like, okay. And I moved to Las Vegas, I think two days later, just up and left everything. That's not what people without bipolar or whatever depression do. Um, I jump on a plane, go to Las Vegas. And I remember my mom kept sending me text messages of church services to go to. And I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, I was like, I just want to get away from it all just for a little bit and find my way. And I was doing some study and I was trying to learn on my own just to get away from influences. And I went to a church, ended up going, you know what, I'm going to go to a church. My mom had sent it to me and I went and, um, uh, I went to that church and it was a, we had good services. The Lord was there. And I remember I went to something special they had and um, they prayed over me. And I remember this guy telling me, I, I, I told him, I said, I just feel defeated all the time. I get up high and I crash over and over. I can't hold down a job. I can't do this. And I just don't know what it is. I just feel defeated. And he said, I remember him telling me, he don't know me. He said, uh, they were praying for me. And he said, man, and I had forgotten about this. He said, man, did you ever in a small, dark room play a game Ouija board? And I, I forgot. I was like, I was a kid. I mean, my, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing. We weren't in church. I wasn't around any. I mean, I was young, young. And I was like, yes, it's like I had forgotten about that. And he said, there was a spirit that attached itself to you when you played that game. Mm. And I remember after that, they prayed against that. And I remember something broke in that moment and I, tears began to flow. And I remember a heaviness left me that day. Amen. And from that day forward, everything changed. Mm. That spirit of defeat that was on me left that day, and I could and 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 that's a that is a time to rejoice. But there was some other things because God had delivered me, 
now it was like I felt that when I'd get up in the morning, it wasn't that 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 deep darkness feeling that kept me down, that sadness that felt kept me down. But there was still some things I still had to come out of Egypt. And let me explain that because I still had some habits in my mind. I still, because what will happen is the Lord will take you out of something, but you got to live, learn to live new. In the time that he's given you. Yes. Yeah. And him bringing me out of that was great. Now he's like, now you got to put the work in. You can't go back to that. You can't be like the Egyptians and talk about the flesh pots and, and try to go back that you have to change some things in you. You have to work on some thought processes. And some of the thought processes was the way I thought about myself. Now scripture, I, I say this all the time. You read self-help books and it's talking about think properly. The You know where that comes from? Scripture. Think on these things. Right. Paul talks about it. I think myself happy. And I had to get to a point where, and this was a season. I had to get to a point where then I started to go figure out what I'm good at and start getting close to the people I know that love me and I love them, start learning to get close to them and understanding my qualities. I may not have been able to learn like everybody else. I may not have been able to do things like everybody else, but I did have qualities. And I had to reach a point where I was okay with my flaws and understand my flaws and work on those, but learn where I excelled. What are you good at? What qualities do you have? And I knew I was a caring person. I knew I loved people. And I, I, it's something I would just naturally get, even I'm probably passed on from my mother. My mother's like that, loving, caring person. It came natural to me, but I wanted to protect myself because there's a vulnerability of that. But I had to become okay with that and understand if somebody rejects me, it's not because of me, it's because of them. And I had to understand that I am a good person. There's times I had to look myself in the mirror and just remind myself, you're a good person. You're okay. You're doing all right. And then once those habits begin to change, that's when everything started to change again. That was the Lord delivered me. And then I had to build, I had to live in freedom. I had to learn to live in that freedom and not go back to Egypt and go, well, remember this, remember that. Well, remember that what that person said about you and the things you... But what I started doing is learning the things that what Jesus thought about me, learning what, what Christ put in me, the promises he had for me. And when I get so, got so close to him and I, I began to live in the abundance of him, I no longer dealt with anxiety. I no longer deal with depression. I no longer deal with any of that. He took me from a season, a whole, I mean, for years of depression delivered that spirit off of me that was almost a thorn in my flesh that just would not let me, delivers me from that. But then I had to put in the hard work of, of changing the way I think about myself, the way I think of the world. I'm not a victim. Unfair things that happen to me that I don't hold those things. 
but the look of the promises of God in my life. And when I began to get full hold of that, I mean, and, and you can attest to this. I, I went through all this before I met my wife 11. Well, we oh. met like 13 years ago, mm-hmm. but we married 11. And the testimony is she has never seen me depressed, never seen me with a panic attack, and don't even hardly believe it half the time because God has delivered me that much. But it took time. It took God and, and it, it took, took time. Right. It took time. I because was thinking, I could have came out and said, hey, I'm good now. I've been delivered. But I had habits still. Uh, my stepdad smoked for years. God delivered him one day, all in one service. But he'd still reach for that pack. It was a habit. He, had to, he never did go back to smoking. God delivered him. But he had to break that habit of reaching for those smoke. That's the same thing that you deal with in the mind. You have to overcome that thing that wants to come back, and you don't allow it back in your mind. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about during that testimony. I was just thinking about God and time. Really, what this this episode tonight is about: God and time. Right. How in a moment. God delivers, but habits have to change, and it right. takes time for habits to change. And over time, purpose is drawn out of you. A ministry is drawn out. Right. That didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, God spared my life 20-something years ago from a potentially fatal car accident. Right. That was a God moment. Uh, but my purpose was drawn out over right. the years. A ministry was drawn out of that. You know, I think about my grandmother. Um, she came into the church in 1982. And uh, she was one of those. She knew nothing about God, nothing about church. And um, there was a lady that, uh, in fact, worked with her at the Timex factory and she kept inviting her to church and she would always say no. She declined the offer. She did not want to come to her church. And, uh, but you know what? This lady named Maxine Chambers, she just was persistent. She would not give up. And so they were having a special service that night at their church. And, um, and so she invited her again, will you please come to my church? Um, we have a special speaker here tonight. I want you to come. And so finally, my nanny, we called her nanny. Uh, she finally decided that she would come. And so that night, nanny used to tell the story to us that uh, she got there. She had never been inside of an apostolic Pentecostal church before or church at all. And she comes in and there was shouting and there was singing mm-hmm. And there was clapping, and it was all very loud. And um, I I just love that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so she comes in there, and of course she said she had a migraine. And that she wanted to leave pretty quickly after she had gotten there. But she's standing in her pew, and she has her hands on the pew in front of her. And uh, just white knuckles, she's hanging on so tight. And 
the songs going and uh, the preacher gets up there and and he says, he says, if you have a need in your body, I want you to come up to the front right now. God is going to heal your body. Step out of your pew, wherever you're at, just step out, come up here and uh, we're going to pray for you. And so Nanny thought to herself, well, I'm not going. You know, she had that migraine, but she said she was not going. And she decided, you know what, if they sing the song one more time, I'll go. And so the worship team started singing the song again. And, um, and she said, okay, if they sing the song one more time. And the preacher got up again and exhorted the congregation. He said, if you need a touch in your body, you need to get up here right now. God's going to heal you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she finally decided, long story short, because she, she wrestled with that over and over in that pew. She said, finally, she walked to the edge of her pew and she didn't even know what happened to her. She said, I don't even remember what happened next. Next thing I know, I'm standing up at the front of the church, both of my hands raised, speaking in other tongues as God filled me with his spirit. Mm. I was baptized in Jesus name that night. God healed me of migraines in one service. Mm -hmm. God delivered her in one single service from the world. She was involved in alcohol. She was involved in all kinds of things in the world. But in one service, God completely delivered her. Amen. 1982. One, one encounter with God. Right. Mm-hmm. But time. Mm-hmm. There was time. Uh, she had my mom. And, and mom had me. And my sister and my brother and and we me and you had kids and so all of this time and generations mm-hmm. from one affected by one one god encounter mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking you know she was it, it's like a ruth she was like a ruth leaving a moab mm-hmm. and she got a hold of this And it's just like, because Ruth got a hold of Naomi, there were prophecies and promises that were attached to Ruth pursuing and getting a hold of Naomi. Mm -hmm. Uh, David came from Ruth Mm -hmm. and on and on, you know, I, I won't go through that entire lineage right now. I don't have the notes. I'd be impressed if you did. Well, I was about to say, I don't have the notes in front of me either. So there's that. Um, but promises and uh, promises and prophecies were attached to Ruth just getting a hold of it. Mm-hmm. And Nanny got a hold of it in one service, one God encounter. And all of a sudden, all of this time uh, that it took to develop uh, her purpose and um, her coming out of that Egypt, mm-hmm. or in this case, her Moab, but she was coming out of the world. And time developed, and and I can tell you right now that I am a product of a woman in 1982 who had a God encounter just one time. Mm-hmm. One God encounter. Mm-hmm. And I am here because of her. Right. 
she passed away. She passed away two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful. Right. So thankful that she had a God encounter because I wouldn't be here. Right. Boston and Charlotte wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And so, so let God do something with you in one moment, but also trust the process of time. There is a process of time. It's not in vain. Your, your commitment is not in vain. That that moment with God is not in vain and it's also not meant to stay just in that one moment it's supposed to pick up a momentum you know it's supposed to live on throughout the time that God's given you and uh and God's called you to abundance and and so I'm just so thankful for for those God moments and I fully understand I I would say at least at least I hope that I would fully understand at this point that that when God takes you to a level uh, that there's also more mm-hmm. to go in God. There's more that He wants you to experience, and um, and so one God encounter, and then time. 